When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to another edition of Bring Out the Podcasts. As always, I'm your host, Luke Thompson, here with Eric Grubottom. Eric, how are you feeling? Today, I am Eric? feeling spectacular. We had no business at the beginning before the season started <laughs> even talking NCAA tournament, and here we are, a high seed. I can't wait. Let's get this on. Yeah, it's going to be fun. Kansas State playing the Montana State Bobcats on Friday. And we might get into the difference between Wildcats and Bobcats because I actually looked that up a little bit. But first, we're going to talk some basketball. And so we've got here with us Parker Cotton, the sports editor at the Bozeman Daily Chronicle. Parker, how are you doing? I'm doing really well. Like I told you before we got on the call, it's a, it's a little snowy here and I'm, I'm worried about my flight getting out this early Wednesday morning. But uh, otherwise, doing pretty good. Excited to be going to the, the NCAA tournament again. Yeah, I can't stand. Fortunately, the kind of the late struggles, maybe you want to call them that. Um, and then Marquette also making a surge. Sent, means Kansas State's going to Greensboro instead of Des Moines or Denver. But, you know, like Eric said, just happy to watch K-State play. Now, Montana State, on the other hand, uh, so last year, this is their second straight year making it. Um, last year was their first trip since 1996. Is it, is it a different vibe this year? Maybe like less of a happy-to-be-here situation? Uh, I wouldn't say that. Um, there's, there's plenty of back-to-back guys, uh, still on mm-hmm. this team, though last year's team did lose a couple of key contributors, um, most specifically, uh, point guard Xavier Bishop, along with some wing players, Ahmed Adamu and, and Abdul Muhammad. Um, but there's, there's plenty of guys who are here for both trips, uh, guys like mm-hmm. Jabril Bello and, uh, and Tyler Patterson, Raekwon Battle, uh, great Osibor, uh, all names who, who are probably going to come up later in this conversation, um. I think everybody still felt the same sense of accomplishment uh, as last year, but then there's also uh, three transfer guys on this team who we can get into later who uh, had never played at the NCAA tournament before. And, you know, they were among the most excited and some of the teammates were most excited for them also that they get to experience this. So there's a good mix of, you know, knowing what this feels like and getting to experience this for the first time. And I think that's a good way for uh, a team to be. Yeah. And this team is, you know, kind of like everybody, They've got a bunch of transfers. Um, they're kind of leading the way. They've got some experienced guards. The one that really stands out, you mentioned him already, is UW transfer Raekwon Battle. Uh, and he's a first-teamer, but he's not really your typical big sky, big sky guard. Comes from Washington and was a four-star player. Uh, what, what can Kansas State expect to see from him? Does he have that power five athleticism? He definitely does. Uh, he has some athleticism that the big sky and Bozeman certainly doesn't often see. Um, at Washington, I think he was kind of pigeonholed into being something of a spot-up shooter. And I'm I'm sure you'll be able to see uh, on Friday a little bit that, you know, when the ball is in his hands, he can create so much of his own shot, uh, you know, going to the basket or fading away. Um, He can score at all three levels. Uh, You can definitely see how um, he ended up in a Pac-12 school. Granted, he's from that uh, northern Seattle area, and Washington was his dream school. It, It just wasn't maybe the right role for him. Uh, Montana State has been using him a, a lot better uh, and, uh, you know, using the, the full breadth of his skill set. Um, and that's one of the primary reasons why they're here. And so with that, I mean, is he 
you know, their best defensive player as well? Would he maybe get the Keontae Johnson assignment or do they have somebody else? <laughs> Uh, no, I think Raekwon Battle might be a little too frail to take on Keontae Johnson, just based okay. on what I know of. Um, he, some, one of the pieces of that athleticism is that he can jump very high, and you'll see that a lot on dunks, but also with some blocks at times. Um, but I imagine that what Keontae Johnson is what six six or so. I think I saw. Um, I, yeah. I imagine, and he's built I like imagine, a linebacker. So. Yeah. Um, I, I imagine maybe that defensive assignment will maybe at the start go to. Uh, Caleb Fuller, the 6'5", okay. from, uh, that transferred in this year from UC Davis. He's one of their best uh, defenders in that he can switch one through four, um, maybe switch one through five, depending on how tall the five is. Um, potentially, Great Osavor ends up on um uh, Johnson as well. He's a little bit taller. He's 6'9", but he's got really good footwork on that end, despite being just a sophomore and being that tall. Um, I, I imagine that Keontae Johnson will be something of a similar cover as um, Weber State's Dylan Jones, who is a, a really tremendous uh, sophomore at Weber State, uh, who probably should have been the MVP of the league in, in the Big Sky this year, but was not. But he, he can do a little bit of everything. And in the Big Sky semifinal game, uh, Dylan Jones was shadowed a lot by Fuller and Osibor. I would maybe expect something similar against Kansas State. Yeah, I don't know. And a quick, quick shout out though. I just gotta say, I just wrote a story actually for our local paper here in Yakima about the MVP of the league, Steel Venters, and he had a great game last night at Washington State. So he I did, and I, and I don't want to take anything away from Steel Venters. The uh, the best player on the best team uh, is, is mm -hmm. good reasoning for an MVP award. Um, just a personal opinion. I, I thought Dylan Jones did a little bit more throughout the year, sure. but to affect winning, but um, yeah. probably not a, a real bad pick either way. Yeah, yeah, and. Real quick on, on Raycon Battle, and you know, people, I, I would encourage them to go to BuzzMinuteChronicle.com and read your full story. But he's got kind of a cool personal story as well. Can you give us the cliff notes, cliff notes on that? Yeah, he's um, the, I think, the, the only uh, member of the Tulalip Reservation in Washington to have ever earned a, a Division I basketball scholarship. Um, so he he has that to his name, uh, his, his native origins are, are very, very important to him. And one of the, that's one of the things that he's also found at Montana State, where in, in addition to fitting in better on the basketball court, he is fitting in a little bit more in the community. He's become a real fan favorite, both for Native fans and for non-Native fans alike. But that, that part of him, that non-athlete part of him, uh, is a little bit more fulfilled here from what I can tell. Yeah. So, Eric, I mean, you think that's a guy that K-State sticks? Desi Seals on him? Get up in his career a little bit? Uh, yeah, I think Desi's a good – I think I think Desi's a good guy uh, to put on him. Um, you know, Cam Carter, actually, yep. is another good fit there. Um, you know, Cam – the Raekwon being 6'5", you know, a little bit taller guard there. Um, you know, Desi's not, not exactly a tall dude. Um, obviously it's, it's not a Marquise matchup or anything like that. Right. So, uh, I, I like it actually Cam Carter matching up, matching up with him. Cam can, uh, has, is a little bit taller, has a little bit more length. Um, but I think the combination of those two guys throwing those two guys at him constantly, uh, it's gonna, it's gonna, I think it might rattle him a little bit. Desi's a little bit, you know, stronger on ball defender, gonna, gonna pester him a little bit more. Uh, Cam's, uh, Cam's gonna just, you know, <clears throat> I'll say limit him a little bit more as opposed to being that, that, that pestering type defender. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then honestly, the matchup I may be a little more worried about for Kansas state is the last year's big sky MVP, Jubrao Bello, six, nine, two seems like kind of the 
type of big physical presence that has given Kansas State some issues, you know, this year, what, what kind of damage can he do in the paint? Um, that's a good question. Uh, last year, he he was definitely deserving of that Big Sky MVP. He also won Defensive Player of the Year. He had uh, 60 blocks last year also, which I think was either first or second in a season in school history. Um, this year, he has surpassed uh, the school record in blocks, so I think he now has 160 in his career. Uh, he's also one of five – one of five players to eclipse uh, 1,600 career points uh, at Montana State. So he's, uh, over the course of four years, become you know one of the more decorated and successful players that Montana State has had. Um, he was injured at the very end of last year uh, in one of the final regular season games. He had a right knee injury. I'm not entirely sure the nature of that, but it did require surgery the day after the NCAA tournament game against Texas Tech. Um, so he was not at, at all himself in that game where I think he had five points in 25 minutes. Okay. Um, granted Texas Tech was one of the best defensive teams in the country. So like those things compound into not working out very well mm-hmm. this year. I think he still feels a little slower, um, but I think he has shown some impressive uh, boost at times. He doesn't have nearly as many blocks this year, um, but he's, he's so skilled in the paint. And, and this kind of goes for Osabor too. They are almost carbon copies of each other, um, which is really exciting for Montana state fans. But um, yeah, Osabor has just been here a long time and, um, is is a load to handle in the paint. He gets fouled a lot. Um, whether those whistles are actually called or not is, uh, you know, up for debate. Um, but he he takes a beating, and for him to come back, uh, not only from the surgery in the off season, but each game after kind of the how many hits he takes each night uh, has been really impressive. And I know that he's really excited to be going into this NCAA tournament much healthier than he was last year. And uh, I would expect him to play a little bit more like that too. Yeah. Yeah, Eric, I mean, you know, we spent a lot of time talking about these big guys inside. Do you think K-State's gotten any better at defending against those type of players? Uh, I think that – I don't necessarily know that we've gotten a whole lot better. I think it's the type of big guy that we're going to run into um, that, that, that's more of the issue. Uh, you know, I think that if – I would be a little bit more concerned if uh, if we were talking about a player that was a little bit more – I'm going to say Eddie Lampkin. Um, yeah. <laughs> you know, a big dude, right? Uh, you know, six nine two forty isn't necessarily out of line with the with the size of the guys that we're going to be throwing at him, and we're going to, I mean, mm-hmm. legitimately be throwing three guys at him. Um, yeah. You know, rotating through between between Naquan uh, Tomlin and uh, David Gasson and uh, and Bebe. You know, you know, all those guys are going to be able to match up with them size wise. They are giving up a couple of pounds. Um, yeah. to them, but it's, you know, it's not like we're, play, it's not like we've got guys that are 220, 225, 230 playing against a guy that's going to be, you know, 260, two, you know, 265, something like that. Um, so the, I, I think we'll be able to, I think, I think we'll be able to hold our own in there. Um, the, the real key for me is just going to be, you know, let's, let's see some fundamental rebounding, you know, at the end of the day, we, we start, when we start breaking down on the interior is when we're just not keeping people off glass. Um, so a focus on that, and I don't think it's going to be an issue. Yeah, yeah. And Bello is the Montana State's leading rebounder at 6.1 per game, but it seems like maybe more of a team effort rebounding. They don't have any one guy that's putting up huge numbers. Right. Um, yeah, he's he's definitely the leader there, probably by virtue of just maybe playing the most minutes. But even with minutes, I, I don't have it in front of me, but he's probably maxing out at you know, 20-something per game. Um, but then again, that's where Osabor comes in. Sometimes they play them together. Um, uh, Osabor averages four and a half. Uh, the point guard Darius Brown, the second, uh, averages four and a half rebounds per game. Also, 
Um, I'm really excited about him and seeing what he can do on this stage also, because last year Montana state had a really short point guard. Um, Darius Brown is uh, a little bit a little bit taller and has a little bit more build to him. Um, he averages nine points a game. He's, uh, I think fifth in the country in assist to turnover ratio. He can rebound the ball really well. Um, they trust him with a lot and he follows through. Um, but as far as the, the rebounding, yeah, it is kind of a, a collective effort. Yeah, so that'll be an interesting matchup at point guard. Darius Brown, the, the Cal State Northridge transfer. And like you said, he's a lot taller than Marquise Noel is. So it'll be kind of interesting to see how if he tries to take advantage of that size. Um, he's also shooting 40% from three. Is that mostly catch and shoot, or is he creating his own shot from out there? It kind of depends. Um, he, he definitely can create his own shot. I, I think maybe from outside, it's maybe a little bit more set shots. Um, I think maybe most of those are from kickouts or, or skip passes, something along those lines. Um, he, he can create a shot from outside, but I, I wouldn't say that is what he's relying on. Uh, he's, okay. he's much better at creating his, his shot inside, kind of getting to the basket, maybe in the mid-range, um, kind of a, a very classic uh, kind of point guard game to him. He's got a little bit of old man game in him, I'd say. <laughs> okay. Which is a which is a compliment for sure. Yeah. One thing that's kind of standing out to me that I wanted to, that I wanted to jump into here just you know just offensive style for Montana State. Um, mm -hmm. You know, I'm just going through season stats. I haven't, I admittedly, haven't done a lot of research into Montana State um, uh, at this point. Uh, but it doesn't look like it's a very three heavy offense. Um, right. Just looking yeah, at the I think they're dead last in the big sky and made three pointers. Well, so. made three pointers, even attempted three pointers, you know, yeah. attempted three pointers. We, we played two fewer games and shot 25 more three pointers than, uh, than Montana, Montana state did in the season. So uh, it is, it, it looks like it's a little bit more focused on scoring inside the arc as opposed to, you know, really, really trying to leverage that three point shot. Is that accurate? Yeah, that's that's really accurate. Um, it's it's something that I myself have been concerned about uh, over the course of the year, having watched all of last season and kind of seeing how they've progressed or or, or changed. Maybe it's a better word. These have been the only the only two years I've been in Bozeman covering this team. Um, so it's just easy to compare the first season to the next season. Um, you're, you're absolutely right. I, I did write this down because in, in anticipation of this coming up, uh, they've attempted 621 three pointers this year, uh, made 210. So that's about 34% to generously round up. Last year, they attempted 729 three-pointers and made 268, which is a little bit closer to 37%. So they've dropped in attempts, makes, of course, and efficiency. Mm -hmm. But uh, I've been proven wrong a lot in how much this matters in the last uh, part of the season because, as you mentioned, they score so much inside. And a lot of that comes with how much they're getting to the line. I wrote this down also. Uh, See here, they're 23.4 23 uh, free throw attempts per game. That's ninth in Division One, and they're making almost 76% of them, which is 37th in Division One. Um, I also looked this up. It seems that Kansas State is 244th in fouls per game in Division One. <laughs> so maybe there's something there that um, Montana State fans can hold on to or Kansas State fans have to worry about. Um, yeah. But uh, near the end of the regular season, Montana State sets – three consecutive lows in field goals made, you know, in, in each of those three games, but they won, all, but they won them all in virtue by attempting like 30 free throws in each of them or something, um, well, something along those lines. Um, 
And I kept asking, like, is this a concern? And I kept being told no, because this is how they want to play. They want to get the ball down in deep to, to Bello and Osibor, and they want Battle to drive. They want Brown to drive. Um, Tyler Patterson is really the the biggest spot-up shooter this team has. Uh, yeah. He hasn't been shooting as well this year. Um, but, yeah, they're they're really not focusing a whole lot on the three-point shot, and it's it's gotten this far. It's gotten them this far. Um yeah. And I guess it really doesn't matter what I think at this point. <laughs> well, you know, Kansas State's last game, the worst three-point shooting team in the Big 12, hit a season-high 11 to, to knock K-State out of the Big 12 tournament. So it, you never it, know. It felt like they shot about 94% from the other yeah. It was just like, oh, all right, man, if this is going to happen, cool. <laughs> yeah. That's how last year's NCAA tournament game against Texas Tech felt, where, of course, the Red Raiders had the best defense in the country, and then they shoot, I don't know, yeah. like 67%. <laughs> uh, in the first half against Montana State. And afterward, you know, Danny Sprinkle, the, the head coach of the Bobcats, is just like, I don't know where that came from. They hadn't done that all yeah. year. We knew the defense was going to be good, but, you know, their defense was, um, you know, just couldn't match up with being the hottest team on, on the right day. And and as far as this year goes, Danny Sprinkle still thinks that they have, you know, a breakout game from outside in them. It just hasn't come yet. And maybe maybe that's Friday. I don't know. Um, that's kind of their maybe their last chance to do it. But uh, to this point, it hasn't uh, hindered them too much. Yeah. I mean, the other thing is besides that TCU game, or, you know, even with that, Kansas State is the best three-point shooting percentage defense in the Big 12. Mm. So they've been pretty good at defending line most of the time. But, yeah, when it's bad, it, it feels like it's really bad. But uh, People just make you, shots they make shots. You know, it yeah, sucks. I know. It, it happens. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm also curious, again too. Yeah. I, I'm also curious to know just about kind of – uh, I'll say this, the the tempo that that Montana State plays at it doesn't look like it's a very fast tempo. That would corroborate with the fact that you don't have the, that you're relatively uh, that you've had you know relatively low outputs on on number of threes attempted and that sort of thing. Because um, usually, for whatever reasons, you know uh, the, the number of three points that uh, uh, three point shots that are attempted is kind of a relation to the, mm-hmm. the tempo that you play at. Is uh, is Montana State a team that is susceptible to getting sped up? Oh, that's a good question. Um, you know, I, I'm not sure. Not not that I would. Not that I've seen this year. There, there's certainly you know some teams that try to you know put a press on them, and you know B- Big Twelve bodies are, are not Big Sky bodies, so I, I guess maybe we'll see. But um, you know, they they do have uh, you know, a, a backup point guard, Robert Ford the uh, third, who's a, an Idaho State transfer, transferred within the the Big Sky. They sometimes like to play him and Brown together. Um, those two can typically break a press. Uh, they have some of the better qualities uh, of point guards and that you can get where you need to go. Um, Raekwon Battle, also a, a worthy ball handler, able to, to help with those efforts. Being sped up full time, uh, I'm, I'm not entirely sure. Um, probably because I haven't seen it. I, I think Montana State likes to dictate that pace. And, you know, if, if their offense isn't... Um, you know, putting together the same kind of, or maybe the, what's the best way to say this? If they're not putting together the most amount of points that maybe you would think, um, they have a defense that'll win them games. And this kind of goes back to, you know, if you're not shooting a lot of threes, if you're not making a lot of shots from the field, they're hitting a lot of free throws and their defense has won them a lot of games. They were the best defensive team in the big sky all year long. And that has saved them from not having the best offense. Um, I think that they are um, much better this year on ball and probably a little bit better in, in rotating. And I think that helps 
slow their opponents down if they do want to go faster. Um, I, I can't say with certainty how often other teams tried to go, you know, too much faster. So I feel like I'm rambling at this point. So I'll end there, but yeah. okay. um, it, it's a, it's a big kind of up in the air at, at this point. I'd say. And I wanted to ask, you mentioned uh, Tyler Patterson and he's listed as a six, eight guard, which is interesting. You said he plays on the perimeter a lot. Um, and it kind of also just underscores the point that on the perimeter, Montana State is noticeably taller than Kansas State. I mean, do you think that's something that, that, that Patterson or other guys might try to take advantage of? Um, tough to say. Uh, Tyler Patterson is built uh, kind of like Raekwon Battle uh, in that he's still a little frail. Um, you know, that said, uh, I should give uh, MSU players credit, uh, at least the ones that were there for the tournament game last year. They all saw the Texas Tech bodies that they were going up against, and they – tried their hardest in the, in the off season to get into the weight room a little bit more, bulk up a little bit more. And some of those guys are noticeable. And one of them is Tyler Patterson. Um, but even being a little bit bulkier, that hasn't changed his game a whole lot. He's uh, with all respect to him. I, I really like him. He's a great kid to talk to. And, and uh, I think a really good basketball player. He's not the best on ball defender um, for one. And uh, he hasn't shot the ball as well this year as he did last year, uh, which is really unfortunate. I think MSU has really missed that to take advantage of on the perimeter. He's not creating his own shot. He is like the spot up guy on this team. Um, I, I don't know how many two pointers he's attempted this season. I don't know how many of them he's made. Um, he doesn't get a whole lot of rebounds. Um, the thing that he's going to need to be able to do is hit some shots f from the outside. It'll be up to his teammates mostly to get him those opportunities. Okay. So yeah, you mentioned him as a on defense, but let's talk about the team's defense. First, we're going to take a quick, Commercial break here from our sponsors. So, yeah, it does seem like defense is this team's biggest strength. You look at the Kinpom numbers. They're about 100 ranks ahead defensively of, of where they are offensively. So has that kind of been what they've relied on all season? And and what are they bringing? Is it mostly man-to-man? -man? Do they play any zone? Uh, yeah, I'd say mostly man-to-man. -man. Uh, I think they uh, like that. I think they're able to, to switch a little bit uh, with the personnel that they have. I think they're comfortable with that. Um, as I said before, you know, their, their offensive struggles have um, or offensive differences, I guess, maybe if you want to call them, um, have made it so that sometimes they really need to rely on that defense. And they've been able to do that because um, there are times when that offense goes four or five minutes without a made shot from the field. They're attempting shots, but they're also getting fouled and they're getting points from the line. Um, eventually, they're going to have to hit shots from the field. I, I, this is the hill I'm going to die on, I suppose. Um, but each and every time they've uh, they've leaned on their defense. Their semifinal game in, in the Big Sky Conference tournament was very, very low scoring against Weber State. They won that in double overtime by two points, 60 to 58. Uh, it was not the best display of offense either way. Uh, Weber State also went pretty cold. And uh, it's, it's just going to be maybe a matter of time until maybe they can't rely on the defense any longer. But um, to this point, I mean – you, you want to make it to the NCAA tournament. Everybody wants to make it to the NCAA tournament. The the defense is definitely the biggest reason why they got here. Yeah. And so, I mean, I think the the biggest concern looking at some of the defensive numbers for, for Kansas State fans is probably at Montana State averages, I think it's 13.7 turnovers per game that they force. That has been an issue at times for Kansas State. Um, just – you know, what is Montana State doing defensively to, to force those turnovers? How much pressure are they putting on teams? Uh, it starts with Darius Brown the second. Uh, he was the Big Sky's uh, defensive player of the year uh, this year, and that's for being a year after Jabril Bello won it. Uh, 
Uh, like I said, DeBello isn't maybe the same defensive president presence in terms of blocks this year, but he's still a big guy to score over, and that's not easy for anybody. Um, but uh, up front, it, it really starts with battle hassle. I'm sorry, with uh, with Brown hassling the the ball handler. Um, Robert Ford III also does a really good job of that. He's a little bit shorter, but um, you know, I, I know this has become kind of a, a tongue in cheek uh, saying to use, but Danny Sprinkle used it after the Big Sky Conference. He said that Robert Ford has that dog in him, and he he loves to compete, um, and and he really does. He is pesky, and uh, he will get up on guys. Um, at, at the very least, it, it starts with those two guards up front, um, trying to make it difficult. Yeah. So Eric, I think maybe you know, like a lot of times this year, the big key is kind of be just how well can Marquis take care of the ball. We saw five turnovers returners in his last game, but he's also had some phenomenal, phenomenal games taking care of the ball. So, yeah. Um, well, it's just, uh, and, and a lot of that really doesn't, I don't think it's forced by the defense. It's just, yeah. you know, it, it's just, it, is, is he locked in and making good decisions or not? Um, you know, and, and a lot of this, a lot of his bad decisions, you know, air quotes are, are stuff like, it's not necessarily a bad decision, but it's a risky play. You know what I mean? Um, so uh, one of the things that I noticed against when we played TCU in the, in the Big 12 championship, and I, this might sound really weird, but being a basketball player myself, it, in my opinion, it has a lot to do with things, is the ball, okay? The, you know, home games, you get to play with your ball. Mm-hmm. You go on the road, you play with the other team's ball. You, you go these neutral site games, everybody plays with the same ball, but there was something about the way the ball was bouncing against TCU just the way it was hitting people's hands, the way it was hitting the floor and everything like that, that it just looked like the ball was super bouncy compared to uh, compared to what you might get, get used to, uh, you know, playing at home or what you might see on the road or that sort of thing. Um, and honestly, it looked like that was that was leading to some of those turnovers. You know, like they were good passes. They hit the guys in the hands and just fumbling it around and that sort of thing. So. You know, it'll be interesting to see how it goes. I think if we can keep the turnovers in check and make you know, and and, and actually you know secure the basketball and that that sort of thing, uh, yeah, I think it's uh, I think that's going to be the key for us is actually making sure that we don't let the defense turn it into an isolation game or a two man game, and we're actually able to use all five guys on the floor. Um, you yeah. know, that's one of the, that's one of K State's strengths. I think is is actually ball movement uh, assists. We're top fifteen in the country, I think, in assists right. per game. Um, something like that. When your point card averages eight a game, yeah, right. So it's uh, so you know I think as long as we keep the as long as we can keep the turnovers in check, uh, I think I think one pretty be in pretty good shape. Mm-hmm. And so Parker, I mean, obviously, you know, Montana State hasn't seen anybody like Marquise Noel because he's kind of one one of one, just the way that he plays and his size. But have they seen you know the kind of point guard who can create? Um, you know, and dish as well as he does. And also, I mean, a guy, obviously, who's not afraid to shoot from anywhere. Sure. Um, this season is tough to say. Um, they, they face some really good teams. You know, they play at Arizona, you know, of course, who is in the tournament. Yeah. They play at Oregon, who I don't think is in the tournament, but it's still a really good team. Yeah. That's yeah. um, yeah, an they, team. Yeah. They, uh, they played at Grand Canyon, who's a, a really good team uh, at, the, at the very start of the season. Uh, and, and is now a, a tournament team that they had that game, you know, not, not one, but they were really competitive deep into the second half. And they just kind of let that lead slip away. Um, t- to be honest, no immediate names are coming to mind of, of point guards for those teams. Cause they were all out of conference and, and all yeah. so long ago. Um, 
I mentioned Dylan Jones earlier at uh, at Weber State. He's six foot five and he does a little bit of everything, but he is one of their primary ball handlers there. Um, he's maybe not the you know create his own shot in this in the same way uh, as as what you're describing, but um, he's he was probably their biggest threat on the opposing side uh, as far as like from a point guard position um, mm-hmm. that uh, that I could uh, find to answer your question. Okay. Yeah. And then KSA's got some guys like Keontae Johnson, Jazzy Sills, uh, Naquan Tomlin. Sometimes you can, you know, get to the basket pretty well. But it sounds like Montana State's got some rim protection. So they do they do really well against that kind of slashing type game? I'd say so, yeah. Um, they they are pretty diligent in, you know, in moving their feet. They have a, a term called chesting up, which sounds exactly what it is. You know, of course, you want to go straight up, but you also want to make sure that your upper body is – right up against somebody, not, you know, leaning too much into somebody, uh, things like that. If you're in the arena, you're probably going to hear chest up a lot. And, uh, they, they really take it to heart. They recognize that this is how they defend. You want to make somebody score over you. And if you have, if your arms are straight up, uh, and if your chest is straight up, that's going to be a lot tougher, especially when Bello is six, nine, Osobor is six, nine, Fuller is big bodied, but he's, uh, and, he, and he's six, five. Um, those are some of the guys that's, you know, Kansas State's going to have to go through. Yeah. Primarily. So, Eric, I mean, obviously there have been some games where K-State's missed a lot of the bunnies and it's cost them. Um, you know, do you think that that's a concern? Not, well, I mean, it, it, it's a concern if you're missing bunnies, but I don't think the yeah, defense yeah. is necessarily what's doing that to you. Um, yeah. You know, like a lot of this uh, – we only have one player that really attempts to go through the chest to somebody else, and that's Keontae Johnson. Yeah. Um, everybody else's they're, they're, they're more finesse players. And we, we share the ball pretty well in the paint, actually, Mm -hmm. um, that a lot of those bunnies are just, they're, they're just short arm shots and that sort of thing. They're not because, you know, the defense really got in the, really got in the way. Uh, every every time the def every time, uh, we've, we've had players, uh, try to go up through uh, a big guy. It, it, it ends up really well for us. Um, I can think of explicit times where, you know, Cam Carter or Bebe or uh, uh, Ish has done it too, where they get in the paint and kind of get stuck. So they try to go through a guy and it's just, yeah, it's a non-starter. Uh, it gets slaughtered right back in their face. So, you know, uh, it gets, it really gets back to that turnover thing. Um, and are we, are we sharing the ball without turning it over? Cause if we're sharing the ball without turning it over it, uh, you know, that really uh, neutralizes that, that staunch one-on-one defense. Um, so it's, uh, I'm, I'm curious to know how good, uh, help side defense is for Montana State because that's going to be, I think, the bigger factor. Is mm-hmm. uh, it, it, is does Montana State rotate really well defensively because they're going to need to uh, in, in order to defend us? I think it's certainly a little better than last year. Uh, I think last year they were a little bit more susceptible to you know some of those skip passes or um, you know quick rotating passes, things like that. Uh, this year, I think they're a, a little bit more um, uh, locked in in that regard. Primarily man-to-man defense. They throw they throw zone at you. They throw junk defenses at you. What do they do? Um, I, I I would expect to see a lot of man-to-man. Um, you may see spurts of zone or press. Um, maybe especially right if you cross half court. Um, try to force you into a couple quick turnovers. Um, you know, at some maybe seemingly random point in the game. Um, probably well before the the end. But um, you know, if it's close, I would expect you know two to three minutes of just trying to force a couple turnovers right right after you cross half court and and see what you get 
Um, but I, I think for the most part, um, they'll, they'll revert back to their man-to-man. Yeah. With, with a what? lot of switching still. Yeah. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see, too. You know, this will be the first time, obviously, K-State's played an unfamiliar opponent in a while. Teams in the Big 12 know kind of what Marquise and Keontae are going to do. Um, obviously, that's going to be the focus of the defensive game plan for Montana State, but there's only so much you can get from film. So it'll be interesting to see just how much emphasis they put on them, or maybe they'll have some more freedom to do stuff, or maybe they'll make the other guys beat them. I don't know. It's hard to. Yeah, predict. that'll be that'll be an interesting uh, an interesting point that you bring up there, because uh, you hear you hear you hear the broadcasters talk about it. You know, having a second chance to see what these players are doing and that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, coming back to you know a new a, a new opponent that uh, you know we haven't seen them of course but they haven't seen us either and yeah. I don't think I don't think you really understand I, I don't think folks really understand what Marquise does and what Keontae is capable of until you see it in person uh, like you just can't replicate that on the practice floor. Yeah, there's a reason those two guys are both getting a lot of All American honors right now. Yeah, so it's been, been cool to see. But uh, Montana State, you know, obviously got some good postseason awards too, and um, you know they got a lot of guys uh, are doing well. And it seems like Danny Sprinkle has has done a nice job there, and kind of he's a Montana State grad, yep. a couple of straight conference tournaments. He, he must be pretty beloved in, in Bozeman right now. He is. Uh, yeah, it's it's really easy for uh, you know a kid who went to high school in Helena, the the state capital, to come to Montana State. He went to the NCAA tournament as a player here his freshman year in 1995 to 96. And, uh, you know, then he got into to coaching primarily in California. After that, he was an assistant here briefly for, for a couple of years, uh, then went back to California. And now he's he's back. This is his fourth season. Uh, his first year, uh, the the conference tournament ended, you know, you know, as as COVID canceled everything. And then the next three years, he's led them to the conference championship game. Uh, and they've obviously won the last two. Um, and they only lost that that first one by ten points uh, against that really good Eastern Washington team of a couple of years ago. Um, beloved is definitely the right word. Uh, I know that he's under contract for I think three more years beyond this one, but um, I think uh, Montana State fans are, are maybe rightfully worried about how long they can feasibly keep him if he keeps winning like this. Um, I, I have some thoughts about that also, and. Um, but for for the time being and, and what he's done here, it's he's he's really changed what MSU basketball is. And, and Jabril Bello has been here that entire time also. And um, when you credit one, you have to kind of credit both, I think. But uh, as far as the the coaching conversation, he's he's very demanding. He's very intense, but he loves those players uh, at the end of the day, and the the players love him back, and that they, they seem to really respond to that uh, really demanding style of coaching. Um, yeah, in in general. Um, beloved is is the right word for sure. Yeah, and it seems like he's he's got some good connections with different places, and that that might be an issue, I guess, when you're thinking about trying to keep him if he can go elsewhere. But it it also obviously is helping him bring in some high quality transfers, right? Is that, is that yeah, kind of- absolutely. Um, a lot of the the a lot of the transfer guys this year uh, really responded to what he had to say. You know, he knew the pieces that they had coming back and. You know, he sold them on, you know, if you come in here and you play the right way, like we can do this again and you can be part of this. And they they all bought into that to, to their credit, uh, Fuller, Brown and uh, and Ford and, and battle before him and before them. Um, Bello is also a transfer from a community college. He's gotten to play four years here. Um, the, the three the three 
guys who they lost from last year's team were all transfers in. He did a really good job of, of recruiting talent to this school and implementing a culture here that um, the guys who are here now want to carry on. Um, whether Sprinkle is here beyond this year uh, remains to be seen, but uh, I, I certainly would not be surprised if somebody comes knocking. Yeah, yeah. And so you mentioned, this, you know, they played some high-quality opponents uh, stack last year, Oregon and Arizona this year. Um, I think they did get close. They took Colorado to overtime two years ago, but for the most part, those games against Power 5 teams have not been very close. Um, you know, what do they have to do to, to make that leap? What's been the, the difference in those games? Yeah, that Colorado game at, at the very beginning of last year was uh, was probably the closest that, that they came. And uh, I remember watching that game and being really impressed because that was kind of the first game that I got to cover for them for real. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I, I covered remotely, but even just watching them from afar, they, they seem to um, just be really intentional about doing things the right way, uh, which, of course, like uh, most successful teams try to do that. Um, but they they seem to really believe in what they're trying to do. And as they're, if they're able to implement that, if they want to, or if they play the way that they want to, um, that that'll take them a long way. It's already gotten them to this point. Um, I asked, you know, of of all your team's strengths, what do you want to keep doing most in the NCAA tournament? And the answer that I got most often was, we need to keep playing defense. Uh, that's saved them from themselves a couple times, but also it just makes it so difficult on everybody else. They know how good of a de- defensive team they can be when, when everybody is locked in. Um, it, it's maybe silly to say or easy to say in March, yeah, play defense. Um, but with, with this team, with this team, with the hopes of pulling off that kind of March upset, yeah, you're eventually going to have to make some shots too. But um, you can survive a bit longer if you're playing the defense you know you're capable of. Yeah, yeah. So Eric, you know, this is the part we maybe normally make a prediction, but I feel like you know it's a big spread here. Kansas, this is a Kansas State podcast. I want to overlook Montana State, but Kansas State should win this game. So let's look ahead to, to Sunday. What do you think about the matchup with Kentucky real quick? Who knows? <laughs> Kentucky has been such a Jekyll and Hyde team th- yeah. this year. You know, they look like they had stuff coming together, um, and then all of a sudden they lose first round of the SEC tournament to Vandy. Um, yeah. And it's like, uh, what, what to expect? I mean, it, it's really weird. You have one of the you you have legitimately one of the best players in the country in Shibway, You know, yeah. uh, down there. You know, coming back from uh, from the season he had the year before and everything like that. He's still a dominant player. And you're not going to tell me that Cal doesn't have other talent around him. It's just yeah. Yeah. God only knows what you're going to get out of Kentucky. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that would be interesting if we get that again. So. Uh, well, real quick, before we let you go, um, I don't know. I, I did do a little research on the Bobcats versus Wildcats question. Mm-hmm. Um, do you guys n- know much about the, the differences between the, the two? Uh, I can't say that I do. Okay. So what I found was that, well, first of all, Wildcats can be used as a term to just talk about all Wildcats, mm-hmm. but it's also apparently uh, two subspecies. I think it's in, in Europe and Asia. So you got the Wildcats. Meet little, and then the Bobcats is also known as the Lynx Rufus here in North America. So, I guess Montana State's got more of the the American vibes going on, and I think a little bit bigger. But anyway, that we throw that out there. <laughs> All right, well, probably ought to ought to let you go, um, Barker. I know people can read your stuff, but 
Bozeman, dailychronicle.com. Uh, they can follow you on Twitter um, at by Parker Cotton. A- anything else you want to promote or anything you got going on this week? Uh, no, uh, I got a, a couple stories, you know, coming out through, through the week, you know, just highlighting Jabril Bello again, highlighting, you know, Bozeman kid Carter Ash, who is probably the 15th guy on this team, but you know, it's really special for him to be on to the NCAA tournament with, uh, with the team that he grew up rooting for. Um, I've written a lot throughout the year about uh, a lot of guys on this team. If they, if, if fans just want to Google my name and, and a player's name, I've probably written about them to, to great length. Um, the, the only other thing I can say maybe about this matchup is uh, this probably requires a little bit more of a deep dive, but I'm not sure how many first round matchups there are going to be between a team that was projected to finish first in its conference and a team that was projected to finish last <laughs> in its conference. And, uh, you know, Montana State had to go through a whole year of you know, getting everybody's best effort, trying to dethrone them, and nobody could do that. And Kansas State had to go through a whole year of trying to prove people wrong, and they did that. And uh, I think that makes for a really exciting first-round matchup here. Yeah, yeah, should be fun. Just looking forward to seeing K-State in the tournament again. Yeah. Well, thanks a lot, Eric. Thanks, Parker. Yeah, yeah thanks, thanks very much for having you on. Yeah. So, yeah. 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 Yeah.